Well, guys, it's my privilege to introduce to you a friend of Reload and a friend of mine. Um, Greg Mulchon has been uh, here several times before. A lot of you guys know him. For you that don't know him, I encourage you to personally reach out to him. But Greg is the founder and director of the Grand Rapids Dream Center, a ministry to the urban area of Grand Rapids. It's all about preaching the gospel. Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And often we think missions as being a plane ride or a boat ride to a different country. And it is that, but it also is the community that we live in. And Greg and his team have been ministering for, this is like year number six, I believe, officially for the Grand Rapids Dream Center. So um, go ahead and would you give a warm welcome and greeting to Greg as he comes to bring God's word to us this morning. Appreciate that. Yeah, let me uh, reiterate. Yeah, local mission is everywhere. It is everywhere. It's not only the Grand Rapids Dream Center, but I feel like we are experiencing a lot here stateside. And I know it's God's heart for all of us to be actively involved and engaged on what's going on here. So definitely don't think you have to go on a big turbo 10-day trip. But if God allows you to go, go do that too. Because it's, uh, the scripture says, uh, go to all the world, right? Uh, side note, I don't know if it's still there. I kind of got a little bit of a faint cut in my head, so I thought I would tell you why before I get asked. Uh, don't make it a habit of uh, walking into street signs. Uh, <laughs> man, that thing was bleeding, man, and, you know, uh, I was on my cell phone with my fancy AirPods on, too, man. I thought I was so smart, man, and just clunk, <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Man, I was on the phone, ironically, a lot of you who know me from uh, the last several, several years, I used to do strength ministry, and guess, uh, does ever, anybody know what strength ministry is? Like, um, our Conquerors International Strength Team, well, if you don't know, they, they're strong, they bend stuff, they break stuff. Well, you know what I was known for when I used to do it, right? The head break. And ironically, I was on the phone with a former guy from the team, and I'm like, oh, man, Mike, you're not going to believe this. Oh, no, no, I believe it, <laughs> Greg. Um, but no, that word that Tom just gave just now, I'm sure it's for several men. That, that was for me. I, I, have been, I just want to be transparent. I believe honesty and relationship is so important. And uh, I've been burdened with many things lately. My heart's been probably heavier than normal. Um, yeah, for the right reasons, the gospel and stuff like that, our family, but just other things. Um, but I want to be able to share that because, you know, it's, sometimes it's a war. Literally last night, I was awake. I couldn't even sleep. And then I had to literally, that scripture that Tom said, repeatedly I was saying, I cast my cares on you. I cast my cares on you. I cast my cares on you because there was just things keeping me awake. And uh, I just want to be an encouragement for men out there uh, don't give up in that process. God is faithful, and hallelujah, I did fall asleep. <laughs> uh, moving forward, though, I want to throw a disclaimer for the content today. Uh, do you, does anybody remember growing up with the albums, you know, either tapes or records, the, um, what was it, the, the illicit uh, content? You remember that? It was like 
it should have told us like, don't do it, don't buy it. But it more or less was like, oh, I got to get that one. <laughs> um, but today, the disclaimer is this. I'm, I'm going to talk about some controversial material in, in our culture. And um, the thing that we need to know and understand about that is just because something is controversial doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. And there's a lot of confusion around the subject matter that I feel like God laid in my heart today. And God's not confused about it. And I believe that's why we need to talk about it. We need to bring clarity. And also, I need to say that my heart is this. I want to communicate in a way, I want to put this out front. My heart is nothing but respect. It's nothing but honor. And I think even for what God's done in my life the last several years and six years with the Dream Center, the heartbeat of that honor is this. No matter where a person's at, what they believe, what they're doing, the lifestyle they're in, I believe the, the highest value of honor is we're going to struggle and fight to be in relationships with people that aren't Christians. And we can't be afraid of that. And so I think that's the highest honor and, and to be able to do that. But I think another side of, of, of that, that train of thinking is it's, okay, let's, let's struggle to be in those relationships but I think another side of it is this, it is how do I do that but also maintain my position of truth? You know, another thing I feel like that I've seen too is this, what happens is sometimes I think with culture, they get jaded towards the church. And what happens is, and why does that happen? Why, I think probably the stain of religion gets on all of us, right? And, and what, what is that? It's well, this is what I believe, this is what I do, and that's not where you're at, I'm cutting you off. And don't feel bad if that's you, you've been there. I, I, I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, guys. You know, what, what do we do when religion, the stain of religion is on us and we act out of that? We recognize it, we confront it, and we just repent. But the high call is this, how, how do we be in that position of truth and struggle to be in relationship and, and what happens, I think, with church, too, is we start to recognize, wow, like, we may be religious or we may be coming across that way, but that's not our heart. And what I see happening now in culture is a lot of churches, and the statistics back it up. I'm not going to cite them, but Barna, you know, Barna does a great job of tracking statistics. They are just so legit. But some statistics that he's gotten backs this up, but what, what is happening is I feel like the church is seeing that, like maybe we've done a terrible job in relationship at times, and then there's a reaction way to the other side. We're going to be in relationship with culture, but then truth starts to get compromised. And how many of you know that's, that's not right either? And so there is a way to struggle and, and be in relationship, and I believe today too should serve as a high call to us all about the church being the greatest relational entity or should be out there. I believe with the love of Jesus Christ should put us in a position to be more relational and more show the world the ability to be in a relationship even if somebody is in this crazy lifestyle and even if ultimately they don't repent, but we go before God one day and we say, you know what, I gave the best position of influence for the gospel and, and, and got to have conversations with the truth, they made their choice. And so... As I move along today, what, what I feel like I want to do with this heart is I'm going to introduce some thoughts and some groundwork, 
and it, it might seem a little fragmented, but we're going to tie it together. And uh, let's keep it moving to see if we can get there. So let's talk about just a little bit. Let's, let's hit that thing mentioned it a second ago, just choice. You know, one of the things that's super powerful to know is we're created as beings of choice, right? Oftentimes I hear, well, why did God put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Why would he do that to humanity? Because if he didn't give a choice, guess what? We would be robots. And so humans, there's a human element that for us, we struggle for the freedom of choice or just freedom in general. And what happens in relationships sometimes is when we're interacting, if we're not communicating in such a way that empowers somebody with a choice at the end of the day, even if you are starkly in disagreement, somebody might just walk away fighting for their freedom in the wrong thing because they're fighting for their freedom instead of just fighting for the right thing. And so choice is, is, is an important matter uh, of this. And um, again, I think if we're struggling to be in relationship, again, it's going to prove the love of God. And it's going to prove that, hey, I'm here with you no matter where you're at. I, I, I love you. Um, we know God is a God of choice. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Really, really famous scripture. And so while understanding choice and empowering our relationships, letting people know that, you know, we respect that freedom. God still wills for us to choose the right thing, okay? <laughs> Again, it goes back to that position of truth. It's not saying because we're empowering somebody with choice and we're recognizing it, it's not saying we agree when somebody goes the wrong way. So we've got choice. And, and, and the other thing is this, uh, Another way of looking at choice is this, is, is we are powerful. It's a powerful position to know that we have choice. The powerless position is the belief that I don't have a choice. And I got this statement here. The powerful person knows they are able to make choices, and they aren't defined by environment or appetites, but by the decisions that I make. So let's hit another point. Let's keep it moving. I am going somewhere with this guy, so hang with me. Truth. Just got to get a touch point on truth. Again, I'm not going to be able to do deep dives on some of this, but, but it'll all come together in the end. Truth is knowable, okay? One plus one is, thank you. An oak tree is, a, it's an oak tree. It ain't an ocean or a river or a lake, is it? It's, a, it's an oak tree. The color red, it's red. And you know, it's just important to, to recognize it. And, you know, truth has consequences no matter how we dress it. Amen? And so, uh, you know, good truth and, and having good truth in our life produces healthy relationships and thriving in your life. Now, bad truth produces what? Bad choices. And usually the consequences of that is broken relationships and maybe surviving at best. Amen? And so truth. Let's keep it moving. Again, I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to do deep dives. Let's hit a little bit of identity. What is identity? It really is this. What 
defines us, right? And another way to look at it is this. Identity really comes from whose we are. Whose. And let me put it like this. Basically, what image are we striving after, right? Now, as Christians, who's, who's our high image? That's Jesus Christ, right? And so if we're striving after that image, then that's becoming a part of who we are. That's what's defining us, right? We're trying to look like that image and that picture of Christ. Now, if somebody's got an image of uh, Justin Bieber, <laughs> now, you know, he's not a bad guy now, you know. Um, he's, he's really trying to follow Jesus, but maybe the pre-Jesus Justin Bieber. <laughs> well, maybe you might know that. Uh, and, and, of course, maybe ladies would be striving to follow him. But um, you got posters in your room you know, of somebody you're striving after, or that's all you embark on in your social media, what's going to probably start to define you, right? And so identity, that, that important issue of, uh, of what defines us, um, we get a choice in our identity. And again, I, I don't know why when I was writing this, I just kept getting this echo. Our appetites do not define us. This is all going to make sense, guys. You know, on, on another side of uh, our appetites not defining us, I find it interesting with identity too and thinking about appetites is how is it in our culture with identity and, and we think about appetites, how, can, how is it we can recognize that with food, the consequence of bad food does what? Produces bad health and it could be the difference of being really large and overweight or in good shape and athletic, right? And so what happens when we recognize those truths with the food we eat? We change what we eat, right? Because it literally could end up being a matter of life and death, right? We don't say, well, I'm a cheeseburger. That's all I'm ever gonna be, by my craving. By the way, I'm not against cheeseburgers, though. I, I am totally an American. Top favorite food, pizza, french fries, and burgers. I often say I work out to eat. Greg, where are you going with this? But something to recognize, too, uh, with this whole thing of identity, too, is we, as Christians, we should know and understand this. We are born into a sin nature. And so understanding that, recognizing that, and it's in Genesis 3, where we see the fall and what happened. But what happens is, so the natural inclination from the start is a bend towards self. And I love it. Uh, anybody who goes to Res Life heard, hears Pastor Dwayne describe this. But, um, you know, what's some of the, the first things that kids do? You know, mine! Me! You know, or no! And what, you know, what typically is a parent's job, right, as we're shepherding kids, it's to shepherd them to not be selfish, right? It's to shepherd them to not feed their unhealthy appetites, right? And that's how we start to form and shape identity uh, as, as parents. Culture has a definition for our identity as men and women. And I, I think most of us who are Christians in here, we know that's true. And you see, the problem with that is culture's never been based off truth. Culture always changes, right? And there's, there needs to be a lighthouse. There needs to be a beacon inside the storm. Because you know what? When, when this stuff's swinging in culture, the dust will settle one way or the other. 
And um, why don't we go ahead and uh, put that slide up? I got a slide here. I want to shift gears now that we've laid a little bit of groundwork into masculinity and manhood. And you can see there, I couldn't make this all fancy like with a graphic software, so an Apple Pencil and a screen had to do. <laughs> You're going to see why with masculinity, why hitting the, a couple of these topics today. Again, we could go deep in, in a lot of those directions, but how it, it all ties together, truth, identity, choice, and power. And let's talk about it. You know, what, what, is the, what should be the total picture of, of, of manhood and masculinity? It should be Christ. Christ is our model. Matthew uh, 20, uh, verse 25 through 28. I'm, I'm going to only read the last part of the scripture for time's sake right now this morning. But this is what it says about Jesus. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. The core of discipleship is self-denial, right? It's crucifixion. And that's, that literally, that becomes identity. But what is that? That's love. And, and, and it's, what's crazy is the culture can contradict that on one side, but we want to praise and say, love is the greatest thing. But that, that is the picture of masculinity. I'm, I'm going to keep this thing moving because I want to, I want to bring this thing home today. Um, masculinity and manhood is truly a gift. Now, I, I talked about this a little bit last time I was here. I think maybe it was in December or something like that. Uh, it is truly a gift. And masculinity is under attack, just like femininity is too. And what's alarming to me is it really feels like that culture now is transcending to a place where it's almost asking us in society to really lie about sacred truths to one another. And so let me put it like this. Truth, our gender, is certain and true. It is, it is most certainly certain and true. You know, and I'll say this. You know, one of my fears right now, if you want to talk about gender confusion, we're going to get into some of it. I told you this would be controversial material. And I'm a passionate, intense guy, so don't take that as disrespect. Um. But where I see things going with, with that discussion and material is my, my concern or my fear is this, is that culture is going to impose laws on parents that won't even allow them to affirm this truth in their home. And you think I'm crazy, that's where it's going. And why is it going there? Because even in the church, people are uncertain and true, and God wants to bring clarity. And that's why we need to discuss this stuff like today. How do we know that our, our, our gender is certain and true? Well, it's obvious. Men have the accompany parts. Amen? And women have the accompanying parts or lack thereof. And internally in a woman, what do they have that a man will never have? A womb. Womb, man. A uterus. And I don't care how hard you try, you're not going to get one to hang around inside a man's body. It just ain't going to work. Again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. This is just fact and truth. And so if these are, are obvious and self-evident, we should be certain and true, and we need to lead with a confused culture about this. What else do we know about the, the, the male and female anatomy, just obvious stuff? The chromosomes. 
I don't care how much you want to tell yourself maybe you're not the gender that you are, but a man will never not be an XY chromosome except very rare exceptions. And the woman is what? XX. You're never going to change that. I don't care if you, you're a dude and you try to look like a girl all you want and, and maybe you have like breast implant surgery. Not trying to be too explicit, guys, but this is a men's group, okay? Um, you're going to always be XY chromosome. That's just how it is because it is certain and true. And why get to the place where potential self-mutilation takes place and all this stuff only to come to a place of regret or you feel like you can't turn back? But I want to say that I believe God could even in the most extreme situations still find redemption, even if somebody finds himself there. And this is a message of hope. Deuteronomy 22.5, just, just so we know that God's certain and true and, and God is not confused. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor a man shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. There are Christians who don't know that God is very specific about that inside the Scripture. And you can't talk about gender and certainty of that without really getting over to in the subject matter of sexuality. And, and talking about things like homosexuality. Now, again, disclaimer, sorry if you're really uncomfortable out there uh, for some of us who maybe aren't comfortable in those topics, but God is very comfortable with this. And, uh, and, and he, again, he wants us to be certain. The scripture says this, Romans 1, 24 through 27. Again, we need to know this as Christians. It hit me actually about two years ago with my son. Uh, well, all my children. We had been teaching them some of these truths, but they had never heard the scriptures. So here we go. Therefore, God also gave them up to their uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. There's that word truth again. And worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature, likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of women burned in their lust for one another. That's an appetite. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And that's just, again, that's the consequences of truth. It's not God saying, I'm mad at you. There's, there's right and wrong, right? You know, with this whole subject of truth, you know, we want to try to apply a lack of truth in areas, but try to apply, again, in that mindset, a lack of truth with one plus one equals two. Try to go into your bank and go, I got a million dollars. <laughs> Give me 10000 They're going to go, you're crazy. Why? Because that is not true. And so what we need to know is this, though. One thing, too, in, in, in teaching this and knowing and understanding this is in the Scripture my son at school, you know, he gets into a lot of these conversations because there's a lot of confusion in, in public schools right now. And the frustrating thing when we talk in our house is it's the Christians that are wavering. And it's crazy. We printed all these scriptures on a sheet, and he brought them to school, and, man, he blew the Christians' minds. And again, God's not confused on this, and, and this is just how he created things. He's not trying to pick on somebody who has these struggles because all sin is sin. So I'm not trying to marginalize somebody who's, who's dealt with gender or they're dealing with it or dealing with appetites and the homosexual nature. No, God looks at it all the same.
But we need to know that his heart is clear and true. And so there's, there's been other arguments, um, and I think confusion on this, this subject, but I want to bring more affirmation to God's heart on this because there's people that will debate the scriptures I'm presenting to you. They'll present to you other arguments, and I don't have time to break that down today, but I think I can settle some of it with some of these thoughts today, and that's this. The Bible is not only clear on what it says, but it's clear on what it doesn't say. And what doesn't it say? Well, there is no covenant example of any homosexual relationships in the Bible. There's nothing. I mean, name for me one biblical great where you see that and you can go, oh, there it is. This is God's heart for us as a Christian. You won't find it anywhere. There is no instructions for how a man and a man can be in a covenant relationship, furthermore, or a woman and a woman. What are the instructions for in the Bible, guys? What do we hear? Man and a woman. And so we have no biblical greats that were confused on their gender, right? Where we could go, oh, well, man, well, David thought he was a girl. There we go. That's not true, guys, right? You know that, right? David was like the man's man, right? I mean, gifted, right? Warrior, artist. I mean, wow. And so, again, we can be true and sure in leading on these, ish, on, on these topics with uh, uh, our men as men with their masculinity and, and our women or our girls and their femininity. And I think we ought to be sure in this truth. But, but again, let me echo, we've got to be able to be sensitive and relational and influential. One, we've got to struggle to be in relationship with somebody who might be in some kind of lifestyle or with these issues. We can't back away. What happens is we get scared, we back away. We put up a wall. We've got to be able to say, okay, this is scary. These are uncharted waters, but, but I love you, and I, I'm going to be in here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you inside of this. Um. God gave man a higher purpose. I hit this last time I was here too. You see, the role of men is so special, right? Because God's ordained us as leader. And that's not the leader that says, submit to me and get under my finger. It's the, the crucified leader of their teams, their family. It's very unique. What happens when a man leads out of that? The whole family's blessed. The whole family thrives. The whole family prospers. You get a series of families led by men like that. You get a community that thrives and prospers. Um, the reference on that is really simply just Ephesians 5.22 uh, on God's leadership for the man. So let me get into just a t tiny bit more nitty-gritty, and, and we're going to actually bring it home and finish on time. I want to say this, too, about men, you know, getting into some truths with God's heart and Scripture. We need to be able to also recognize we can't put men into a box either, guys. One thing that's super important, and we're teaching this to the young men we're influencing in the city because we run into some of this, is that there are different archetypes of men. And I think that's where the culture plays in and starts to try to take advantage of somebody who's confused or unsure, and then somebody starts to get labeled or marginalized. I think it's important we know this. What are some of the manhood archetypes? I don't have time to break them all down, but I think the big picture is good enough for us today. You've got the warrior archetype. 
And that's the one that culture puts up as the only kind of man. And, and many of you will identify with that. I identify with it. Oftentimes, it's somebody who's physically gifted. They're protectors. And we, we're like, man, it's the John Wayne. That's, that's men. And if you don't fit that archetype, uh-uh, you're less of a man. Or maybe you're not even a man at all. And I'm not trying to diminish the warrior because, again, I identify with that. Warriors are great. They're awesome. But not all men are hardwired with that archetype. And a lot of men have combinations. And, and we need to know that and understand that and affirm that. I've got very close relationships in my life that I, I have influence in and people I love that aren't warrior archetypes. And I've had to, I'll be honest, they were showing other personality archetypes of men, and it scared the crud out of me to the degree where I, I was questioning and battling years ago. Another archetype of men is the academic analytic. These might be your problem solvers or your strategic, maybe like your, uh, your Bill Gates kind of person or Steve Jobs, you know, and sometimes I feel like what happens with guys like that? Well, they, they might become famous like a, a Steve Jobs or somebody, and we praise them later. But in school, I bet you, man, those guys got so picked on. Oh, man, that, that ain't the football player. Oh, that nerd. <laughs> but that ain't true. That's a very awesome, powerful part of a gifting and a personality that God's given to certain men. You've got the artist. Oftentimes, that could be your big-hearted, your tender-hearted, more nurturing, very poetic type of manhood archetype. Now, again, men can have combinations of this. I, I believe I have some artist in me. But I've been around some men. They are just so tender. And if we don't know or understand this, you know what we could do? We could go, man, that dude's kind of... Well, women are mostly tender. <laughs> nah. But we, we can't get into that mindset if God's gifted a man with more of maybe the artist archetype and they've got an ability to nurture. You know what? For most of us men, you're probably coming at it like me. It's taken you a lifetime to figure your wife out and to get some nurture. <laughs> that much needed, right? Still struggling. But man, if, if, if you're a man and you've been gifted with that, oh, praise hallelujah, teach us, <laughs> Right? We've got to affirm that and not let somebody slide into this pit where culture goes, oh, well, no, 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 that person, they, they should be a girl. They need to lie to themselves, lie about their biology and their parts, that, that that's a girl. That ain't right. And so it's 729, guys. Here's what I want to do. My goals here today was this. We're going to pray. But I, I wanted to bring clarity on God's heart. Again, it's very high level. I wanted to affirm confidence in our masculinity and, and, and really give us a high-level view to affirm femininity, too, for those of us who are leading girls or daughters, grand, granddaughters, whatever that looks like. And then three, I wanted to, this to be an exhortation for us to struggle to be in relationship, to be able to, to give honor and to fight, to be alongside of people who are in confusion, who are in alternative lifestyles, they're in brokenness, not to shy away from that. And so, guys, can we pray? Let's do it. Father God, thank you, Lord God, for bringing us together here today. Wow, God, there's a lot coming at us today. 
But God, I thank you, Lord God, for your surety, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that you breathe that confidence. And God, for any of us who've had maybe some of the battles cited today, Lord God, I just pray for encouragement and hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. God, I thank you for your daily bread, Lord God, that gives us the ability to press in, even if it's the good fight of faith, where it's just like a series of moments throughout the day, we have to renew our mind. We have to fight in to give you our burdens, Lord God. We have to cling to the truth and profess our faith. I thank you for that today, God. And God, I just pray over this group of men. I thank you for a great bunch of leaders in here, God. I thank you, God, that you continue to help us, God, to lead, Lord God, with humility and that honor in a culture that is really lost and confused in some of these areas, Lord God. I pray, God, you would help us to be proactive, God, and I pray for an anointing, Lord God, upon men, Lord God, too, to really affirm manhood and masculinity around them. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, uh, I can't walk away without doing this. Maybe you're a visitor here today, whatever that looks like. I feel like I recognize most people, but if you're not right with Christ or you don't know Jesus Christ, you, you haven't connected with the fact that it's literally Jesus was God in flesh, and then God died for us, shed his own blood so we could be forgiven, restored with him. If you know that God's calling your name, you know that you need to accept that forgiveness he died to give us. You need to get in this right relationship with him by faith, right? It's just trust. If that's you today, you're either coming back to God or it, there could be somebody in here. It's a first-time decision. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Anybody need to come back to Christ or make a first-time decision? Awesome. I think we are, we're all looking saved and redeemed. Well, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for that, and let us walk as empowered disciples of you in our manhood. In Jesus' name, and everybody set. Amen. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you, Greg. Guys, let's stand together as we close. Uh, the one thing that came to me as Greg was sharing here is speak the truth in love. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. And what does that look like? You know, it's, it doesn't look like compromise in the truth of God's word, but, you know, we're not called to be the Holy Spirit, right? We have the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit teaches, convicts. It's not our job to convict somebody. It's our job to speak the truth in love. So going away today, I just encourage you that. Uh, in that, um, I said something to a, a group I was sharing with a couple weeks ago about the unity of disagreement. There's times we disagree on things, but the unity factor is the love of God. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And it's that love to focus on to love people through situations, even though we differ, we have different opinions on things, is that love factor and rely and trust the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is going to convict that person as we share. Exposing lies, but embracing the truth.